Hi, my name's Archie, and this is I Was There, a sports podcast dedicated to telling the stories from you, the fan. This series is all about unearthing the incredible tales of the people sitting next to you in the stadium on the day that you witness history and what led to them being there. An Irishman now living in Australia, John Larkin bleeds red for Liverpool. Having supported the club his entire life and being lucky enough to watch them live on numerous occasions, John's about to share an awesome story from 2009 when he was in Liverpool to watch them play Chelsea at Anfield in February. With the title race still firmly in contention and Fernando Torres returning from injury, John knew the occasion would be special, but I don't think he knew how lucky he would get after turning up to his hotel and deciding he'd rather stay somewhere else. Let's hear John's story. Hi, I'm John Larkin. I'm a Liverpool beat Chelsea 2-0 at Anfield in February 2009. I was there. John Larkin, mate, welcome to I Was There. How you going? I'm great, thanks very much. Now, John, uh, let's just... Get a bit of an idea about your history. You've only said a few words so far, but I know that you've got some Irish heritage there. So, what led to you supporting Liverpool? Uh, well, as you, as you touched on, I'm actually, I'm actually from Ireland. Um, I was born in a place called Wexford, which is in the southeast of Ireland. And my family pretty much have been supporting Liverpool since the 60s when my aunties actually emigrated over to, to Liverpool um, for work and started families. So, when they established themselves in Liverpool, my uncles then started going over to visit them um, and then basically started going to see Liverpool play and became avid supporters and still supporters to this day. So when I came along, um, I didn't have a choice on, on who I supported. It was always kind of going to be Liverpool one way or the other. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much the, where it all started for us and everyone in my family supports Liverpool. Um, apart from possibly one, one of my nephews, I think he kind of supports Man City from time to time when he feels like it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, we're all big, massive Liverpool fans of my family. So you grew up in Ireland, and when did you make the move to come live in Australia? Um, that's a bit of a story, too. I Actually, we emigrated first in the um, late 1980s, so 1987, Came over first um, and spent four and a bit years in Sydney. Um, and then we made a move back at the start of the 90s. Um, and then I made the decision then to, to come back to Australia. It was mainly to be like a, a work on holiday um, in 2009. And I've been here ever since. Wow. So you just you came here for a holiday and you stayed. It's a very common thing that happens to a lot of people from the UK, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the UK and Ireland, I mean, it's it's a big thing. Of like, I mean, I think people come out just to test the waters and see what it's like. And then, like, once they once they get into it and, and they see what, what Australia has to offer, then it's pretty hard to, to go back. Well, John, I know that a lot of people you speak to that have come from the UK, a lot of them say that once they come to Australia, they find it really difficult to keep up with the football because, look, we've got to watch the games at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. But obviously your love of Liverpool has never dawned on you. You're still getting up at that time. And, and in the years that you've spent living here, you've also been lucky enough to go back and forth quite a number of times. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously it is it is a challenge to, to, to catch all the games, especially when, when kids come along. Um, I'm a dad now as well, so it's a bit harder for me to commit to getting up so early or staying up so late, um, depending on the way you look at it. But, um, yeah, no, I do I do my best to, to try and catch the games as much as I can. And then if I don't get to see them live, then first thing is I actually get up in the morning, then I, I log on and, and watch the highlights and check every match report I can. Um, Liverpool Echoes um, bookmarked on my computer for, for when I get into work and, and I can check the um, the match reports and, and the analysis so yeah no it's it's something that like has definitely not um, wavered uh, since I've been here um, even with the I suppose the the early start of the rounds but yeah no it's, it's 
been great um, and that's for me as well seeing the support that Liverpool has in Australia um, and I've only seen it getting stronger stronger since I, I first came to Australia um, and yeah I've been lucky enough to, to get back a couple of times since I've been here um, I actually went on a mini honeymoon um, in 2012 when, when I got married um, I managed to get a weekend over in Liverpool and then yeah I was there uh, two years ago um, when we beat Man City on New Year's Eve um, 1-0 and Wayne Allen scored his first goal for Liverpool well, it's, it's so funny. I've done a few episodes of this podcast already, and you're the third male that has said that he somehow managed to work out his honeymoon to the UK so that he could watch a football match. So I'm really enjoying these stories because I'm not married, but I, can, I feel like that's on the cards for me. But just before we get into this story of 2009, you mentioned you're a dad now, so I've got to guess your, your kids are Liverpool fans? Yeah, she she got she got her first um, her first jersey sent over. I think about probably three months after she was born from my from my auntie in Jeez. Liverpool. So what was the delay? Uh, yeah, that, it was a big delay there. Uh, yeah, well, I think it was just to make sure that I got there in time, whatever <laughs> else. But yeah, no, um, yeah. No, normally, I would I would buy it myself, but it came direct from Liverpool, which is also quite special. And she actually um, she actually appeared in the match day program for the Borussia Dortmund game when we beat them. Four three, um, so she, she managed to to get in into that, which was quite special. And I have that program at home as well. Um, my uncle was actually at the game; he, he got a program and sent it over to me. So yeah, and that's, uh, lots of lots of strong family connections, even with my um, new daughter. Yeah, wow, that sounds wonderful. This magical family history with the club. Well, let's get into it, John. Let's talk about this game that you were going to attend in two thousand nine. Can you take me back to before you'd even planned on going there? You know, why were you going to be in England on? At this particular period of time, well, my birthday is on the thirtieth of January, so my my now wife had um had booked that weekend to to go across, so we were going to go over regardless of whether I got a ticket for the game or not. Um, and again, at that time, it was equally as hard to to try and try and get tickets. Um, I went through the actual the local sports club to get mine. So in the end, I was able to acquire one ticket, um, which unfortunately I couldn't, I couldn't bring my wife. How did that go um, down? Go, uh, she was actually quite happy in the end because <laughs> she got to, to go shopping and avoid the, the snow, um, which I got stu- stuck in. Hmm. But yeah, that, that was kind of the reason behind going across was my, my birthday weekend. Um, and yeah, we, we flew over, booked into a hotel that was supposed to be one of the best in, in Liverpool and then unfortunately it was a bit of a dud so it was a bit of a um, the hotel yeah, was a bit of a dud yeah the hotel was a bit of a dud so that kind of, that's kind of where the, I suppose the story starts if you want so right. we went out for a walk um, to try and find another hotel and I'm on Saturday weekend it's more or less impossible so we'd been around three I think hotels to try and see was there any rooms available and there was none um, and we just basically said right well let's get out of the docks and we'll try the Malmaison, which is like one of the, I suppose, more upmarket hotels. We knew we'd probably have to pay a little bit more, but at that stage, we didn't care. So we walked in and we kind of just said, look, you know, any chance of a room? Weren't expecting much. Like, oh, you know, we've got a room available, blah, blah, blah. And like, how soon do you want it? We're like, oh, can we we get it now? Like, yeah, yeah, you can have it at 12 o'clock. I think we were there at 10. So got the bags from the other hotel, checked in, basically got ready, um, and, uh, Explore Liverpool, and then uh, unbeknownst to me, I didn't realise, but the the Chelsea football team were actually staying in the hotel 
that night as well. This so um, hang so, on, so know. so you've walked into this second, uh, this third or fourth hotel because the other one was so crap, and now you suddenly yeah. you've realised how. What when did the penny drop? How did you realise that Chelsea was staying in town? And how many days before the game was this? Oh, this was like the the night before the game, and we had to to switch hotels. So the day before, <laughs> um, so it was a bit of a stressful event, obviously, because um, yeah. you know we we kind of didn't really want to have to change hotels, but the other one was so bad, we kind of went, not, you know, we're, we're not staying here, basically. Mm. Um, so it wasn't until the the next morning that I realised that the Chelsea team were there, because when I went down for for breakfast, um, I was sitting across from Peter Cech and a few, a few <laughs> other players as well. So, um, yeah, that was that was interesting. I mean, I've, I've met players in Liverpool before, but from Liverpool, not from opposing teams, and to be in a hotel where where they'd all been staying it was quite a an eye opener. Um, so you've just gone, you know, so you've just gone down, continental breakfast. You're thinking, great match day, feeling confident. You've put a couple yeah. of pancakes on the plate. Looked over, and there you're seeing Chelsea's number one sitting opposite you. Yeah, pretty much, and like literally was like, you know, the, the very next table, um, and it was a quite a compact area as well. So it was awesome as if it was like a big, massive open plan um, wow. room. Um, so yeah, no, it was nice and. Uh, I suppose intimate. Yeah, it was just nice to hear them chatting to each other and seeing what they go through in terms of preparation before a, a big game. And then, so that was only a handful of players I saw. But then, as um, the, the well, coach pulled up, well, I there, saw the rest of the team. Yeah, right. Oh, that was going to be my next question. You know, did you see any other of their big name players come through the the breakfast doors? Yeah, no. So basically, I saw them all getting onto the bus and after. So I saw Lampard, Balak, um, Czech again. John Terry, basically all all the players um, from the first team, and at that team at that time they were a great team. Um, great getting onto the getting onto the bus, um, which was pretty cool. Um, and obviously the the Liverpool fans are at the front as well, so there's a good bit atmosphere even just outside the front of the hotel. But I suppose it, it didn't really stop there because again, the the owners at times were obviously um, George Gillette and Tom Hicks, and Tom Hicks was in town. The owners of Liverpool. We were talking about the owners of Liverpool, yeah. of course. Yep. Yeah, um, and he was actually staying in the hotel as well. Um, but I didn't re- again. I didn't realise until Liverpool bus pulled away. He came down from the the penthouse. There was a massive security presence. He walked out of the lift with his um, with his sons and um, some other people. Um, so I ended up going over and getting a photograph with him and shaking his hand, but I didn't realise at the time how dodgy he was. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, there were, there were actually protests organised in and around Anfield that day because of him being there. Right. Um, so I was at find that the fans, I think, were kind of uh, getting clued into the fact that these guys were probably not, um, you know, the best thing to happen for Liverpool, and mm. we're kind of finding out that you know they weren't going to invest in the club and basically two cowboys really. So. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of an interesting um, atmosphere before the game. <laughs> did um did you get any photos or did you approach any of the Chelsea players? Were well, you wearing your Liverpool kit, so I guess it wouldn't have been appropriate. Yeah, no, I had my um, Liverpool scarf on, my Liverpool jacket, and everything else. But um, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a chance to to really go over and, and ask for a photo. Um, and again, I was so surprised about it happening that you know I just didn't really register for a while. So it was kind of one of those things you kind of get get stuck in the headlights and, yeah, no, I didn't get a chance to, to get a follow. Well, what a what a way to start match day. I mean, I've been to a number of games over in the UK and, you know, you wake up, you're excited to get to the ground, but the fact that you've gone through this whole episode of just getting out of your old hotel that was really crap, you've now upgraded and now you're sitting with the opposition and you've met one of the part owners of the club. I mean, 
the adrenaline must have been pumping. What about the weather, though? Because, you know, we're talking, it's February, so it must be pretty chilly in Liverpool and in the UK at that period of time. Yeah, it's actually probably the, the coldest it's ever been on, on my trips to, to Liverpool. Um, so that day they had actually forecast snow um, for the, the evening time, when it was obviously an even time kickoff as well. So um, I was obviously layered up, had my jacket, big jacket, scarf, everything else. But um, yeah, it was pretty pretty cold, um, but it wasn't too bad because getting to the ground was pretty easy, just jumping in a taxi and you're there in 10 minutes. Um, but when you're at the ground, obviously it's a, a different um, situation. You're standing in one spot, and it, the wind whips around the stadium, and it, it's open to the elements. Um, so yeah, it was quite quite icy. There was a bit of sleet when we got there, but um, yeah, actually the the snow didn't start falling until kind of um, late in the second half, uh, which all added to the to the atmosphere and and, and everything as well. So yeah, no, it was um, I was like my first time seeing snow on the rule. So let's just uh, go towards like getting to the ground. Do you remember getting to the ground that day? Yeah, basically I jumped in a taxi outside the front. So we had to wait um, for all the um, security personnel to go with the convoy for, for Tom Hicks because that was all happening out the front. So I had to wait for that to clear and then I was able to jump in the taxi. So I got in a taxi and obviously, you know, you're on your way up in the taxi and Drivers obviously asking where you're from and having a chat, and then there's the phone-ins happening before the game and stuff, and people just saying what they think the score is going to be and if they're positive about the um, the outcome of the match and so on. So, yeah, great buzz, and obviously you see the people streaming towards Anfield as well from various parts of the the city. So yeah, it was like it felt like it was going to be a big game. Mm. Um, I've been to games before and I've seen the crowds and it's been a bit flat, and you don't get that same feeling. But this one, like. You could feel that, like, there's definitely kind of that electricity there that you you see on the big Anfield nights when, like, the likes of the Chelsea or Man United yeah. um, come to town. So yeah, no, you could definitely um, sense, sense that it was going to be a big game. So you're in your seat now. Your whereabouts in the ground were you sitting? So it was my first time in the cop. Um, oh, wow. I was literally about, I'd say, about four hours back from from the goal to the left hand hand side of the goal. Um, yeah, so that, I mean that for me was an experience in itself because I've only ever kind of sat in the centenary stand and the the main stand, and um, so to be on the cop for a, for a game as big as that was was absolutely amazing. And yeah, I mean obviously it was a bit strange because my my wife wasn't there while I was on my own, but you know you kind of you, you just get in, you get I suppose caught up on it all, and you forget your surroundings and where you are. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, it was like it was it's fantastic, and to be there when. Um, the singing in Liverpool and you're standing on the carpets, yeah, something else as well. I think for any Liverpool fan, it's probably on their bucket list, isn't it? You know, not only to get to a game at Anfield, which of course is very special, but to stand in the cop, which, you know, it's a pretty exclusive part of the ground. It's a, it's funny that you say, you know, that was going to be a question I was going to ask, you know, as good as going to football is you usually want to be there with someone to enjoy it, to share that moment, but it kind of makes it funny and also special in its own way that you were standing there on your own uh, and, you know, you just... At that part of the ground, yeah, I think I, I mean I think it helped me kind of soak it all in as well because I mean yeah. someone's beside you, you're, you're chatting and, and whatnot. But I think the fact that I was on my own, I was able to kind of I suppose um, focus on what was going on around the ground and what was going on behind me and have a look around. And it was, yeah, I mean it was I, I found a although like I was sad that my wife didn't get to, to experience it with me. It was still like a fantastic um, game to go to. And mm. yeah, I'm sure she was getting such a great special experience shopping in Liverpool, you know, getting yeah. some great deals and all that. 
I'm running the credit card, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, look, let me take you to match day now, uh, John, because the first half it was really competitive on the day, but everything really kind of kicked into gear in the 60th minute when a bit of controversy happened. I'll just play the audio from that, mate. Blocked by Ballack. Lampard went into ground and caught Xavi Alonso. Oh, it's a red card! Straight red for Frank Lampard. Lampard exasperated. It would be his... It's his second red card of the season, following the one in the Champions League. Chelsea believe Frank Lampard played the ball. It doesn't matter if you play the ball if the challenge is uncontrolled and studs are being shown. It really was it a nasty enough lunge to provoke a red card. So somewhat controversial, this red card, but how did you see it and how did the people around you react at that moment? Uh, I think, to, to be honest, it was like there was quite a big build-up to, uh, to that event in, in the match mm. um, because Alonso was having one, like, one of the best games I've seen him play. Um, in midfield for Liverpool, the crowd were on the back of um, Frank Lampard the whole time as well. So he was getting a lot of abuse, and I think that was feeding into his tackles as well and, and how he was playing. So there was a fair bit of nickel before that challenge went in. But yeah, I mean, to everyone around the ground and especially in the cop, I mean, obviously there's a few expletives. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think even from where, where our viewpoint was, you could see that it was a pretty bad tackle. Um, so there was no surprise really when when he got the red card. Did it warm your blood up though? Because you've been standing in the freezing cold. Was it snowing at this point during the match? Um, yeah, I mean obviously it was it was absolutely Baltic the conditions. Um, and yeah, I mean look, I mean the adrenaline is running anyway, so you don't really feel it as much. It's only when like everything kind of wears off and you feel the, the cold if you're standing in the stadium. But um, yeah, no, I mean it had been quite a tense match, so like I didn't really feel the call but yeah definitely turned things up a notch once that happened and I think the sense was that they were there for the take and um, because at that stage we'd we'd probably been the better team had lots of possession were having chances but just couldn't put them away and I think um, I suppose the Liverpool smelled blood as soon as uh, Lampard got sent off well, all your dreams were going to be answered because if you go to a football match and your team's going to win, other apart from obviously seeing like a romp, a 5-0 romp, I think you probably put up there a last-minute winner. And let me just take you to the 89th minute. This happened right in front of the cop as well. Five Liverpool players around the Chelsea box. Played into Gerrard. Touched back to him by Count. Aurelio steadies himself. Looks for Torres! Liverpool have it! Is that the goal? Chelsea over the title race. It's his first at Anfield this season. In the last minute, Torres scores for Liverpool. And Scolari is crestfallen. Gerard with the touch picked it up. This was crucial. He steadied himself. He measured across. Torres got across his man for the first time in the game. Heartbreak for Alex, who's been magnificent. But Chelsea look at beaten side. And it's Torres back to goal scoring form. So. Take how do you feel listening back to that, knowing that it was only inches away from you? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, like it definitely brought it all back, and like, I can vividly remember the the cross um, from Aurelio that that went in, and and um, and Torres score and actually going up for the header because where he scored was the side of the goal that that I was at, and wow. even before that, the build up play before that, I remember Alonso playing the ball. So yeah, it's, it's definitely all um, brought it all back to me, um, and yeah, it was just like it was amazing because I mean we had. Being the dominant side, just couldn't um, turn that into, I suppose, a goal. And then it happened, and I was just like, yeah, basically the roof lifted off Anfield, 
Um, I was hugging the guys beside me who I'd never met before in my life. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was just like, it was just surreal to, to have that experience that you're in the cop, last minute, what you're hoping is a last minute winner. Um, and Torres has scored it. So yeah, no, it was the, the icing on the cake for the weekend for me and, and for my birthday present. <laughs> I'm sure that's what he was singing too, you know, God, just giving a bloke in the crowd all the way, flying over from Australia, a nice, big, beautiful birthday present. In fact, yeah. he ended up yeah. giving you two birthday presents because it was a bit of a, uh, you know, it summed up the performance and it wrapped it all up, but uh, this happened as well a little bit, mo- a few moments later. It's Torres, it's two. Liverpool have made sure all the pain and misery of hamstring injuries and months without an Anfield goal. Wiped away the mistake by Ashley Cole, commiseration from a teammate, delight for Liverpool and Fernando Torres. Two goals in a blistering late five-minute spell have sealed victory for Liverpool. Chelsea beaten at Anfield. You know, they, they can put it so poetically, those commentators, but this was a massive result because it essentially kicked Chelsea out of that top three race, didn't it? Yeah, and uh, I mean for for Torres as well. Like the commentator mentioned it there in 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 his commentary, is like he had literally just come back from a spell out, and um, obviously that's when we kind of dropped dropped points against probably some of the lesser teams. And the fact that he came back in had a really good match against Chelsea and scored two as well. I mean that was like was fantastic. Um, and I actually remember the the post match interview with him, and he was just like he was buzzing. The fact that he was able to come back in, score two goals, and that was like when we were pushing for obviously the the title that year. Um, unfortunately, we got picked up by United, but yeah, I mean it was nice to be able to to get one over Chelsea and um, put them in their place. As far as all the games you've gone to to watch Liverpool play, where does this one rate? Uh, this is probably number one if I if I'm being honest. I mean, I've been to a few really good games in the Premier League and also in Europe as well. But yeah, I think this one. Um, probably is the best one I've been to, and I've been to. I like. I mean, I've been lucky. I've been to a few, and even my first game was a six-nil win against Man City. Um, obviously, they weren't the team then that they are now. But um, what year yeah, was that? To, uh, that was in 1995. Oh, right, I was three years old. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after the game, it's it's now snowing. I believe that particular night. Yeah. So like the snow was like heavy now at this stage so I mean trying to get back into the city was like was more or less impossible so I made the decision that I'd, I'd walk back because I had no chance of getting a taxi and then just went for buses and stuff it was like it was pretty pretty difficult so um, yeah I was just I was just had so much adrenaline rushing after after the game that I, I walked the whole way in from Anfield into the city um, in in a blizzard, basically, got back to the hotel. I was absolutely freezing, but I didn't care. It was, it was just like, it was just fantastic. The whole thing, the whole experience from the morning um, of seeing the team, the opposing team in, in the hotel, to what, getting to the game, the game itself, and the whole atmosphere, and then walking home. Yeah, and it was just fantastic. Did you walk home on your own, or did you pick up a few fans along the way? No, I basically was by. I walked home. I walked back to the city on my own, but like in in a in a group of of fans, basically the fans all streamed out. So it was like you just see this uh, group of Liverpool fans walking towards the the city. So yeah, no, like even that myself was quite 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 unique. I mean, yeah, to leave a Premier League game in the middle of a blizzard at the night. I mean, and the fact that as you said, like because of the result, you couldn't care less. You know, like if you'd been if you if Liverpool had lost that game, it would have been the longest walk of your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely would have been a different, uh, I suppose, feeling to it, um, and it probably would have been quite miserable. 
Um, but yeah, no, the fact that they had they had won the game and everything else, um, yeah, no, I, I didn't care that it was like whatever minus degrees it was and blizzard coming down. I was I was just happy. <laughs> and the snow was so bad that you couldn't even leave on your scheduled flight the next day. Yeah, so um, that day was possibly going to get worse overnight. And yeah, when we woke up the next day and Liverpool was like blanketed in snow, we were suffering more for the front of the hotel and by the library buildings having snowball fights. Um, and then yeah, we were trying to get in contact with the airports to find out what was happening. They basically said you have to turn up and, and see, they'll make a call close to the time. And so yeah, we rocked up to the airport and the, the flight had been cancelled. We had no way home, so we had to stay, in, stay another, another night until the um, snow was cleared. And did you care at all? Oh no, I was just I, I I couldn't care less. I was delighted to get another another night in Liverpool. Yeah, go to the like go to the Cavern Club and sing some Beatles songs or something like that. Yeah, yeah, another night in the pub and experience Liverpool's hospitality. It was great. Now, just before, I mean, that's an amazing story, John, and and you know, a special experience just from all the the pain that you had to go through with that hotel to end up you know being with the, all the Chelsea players in that incredibly memorable match. But I'd just love to to hear this amazing part of your family history because I believe that so much is a love of Liverpool for your family that there's a special plaque on your grandmother's uh, grave. Is that right? Uh, it's it's on her, it's on her, well, it was on her gate of her house. So um, oh, sorry. My, when, my uncle, when my uncle started going over in the 60s, they brought back basically this metal um, plaque um, which, which had Anfield on it and was painted um, bright red. So they put it on her gate in the 1960s and it was literally there and so um, the day that she passed away and moved out of the house and we took it off the gate. So, yeah, um, everyone around where, where we're from like, sort of knew my grandmother's house is Anfield, not number four Fisher's Row, which is what it was. Um, so, yeah, people used to mark, like when they were sending their letters, they used to put Anfield as the address um, <laughs> rather than, than, the, than the house number. And where is that plaque now? Um, I've got it at home. So that, that, that'll be mine for the rest of my life. 